It's the Carson Price for Thursday, February 8th, 2024. We're coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a local getaway on Valentine's Day, call the wall, 604-331-1000. Ask for the Sakarison Price rates on blackout dates. May apply. Matt Sakaris alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass, hitting switches, conducting things alongside intern Madison Buckingham. Big show today, Blake, all brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. And Applewood Kia in Langley's got some smashing deals on the brand new 2024 Kia Nero EV and the EV6. You get complimentary EV charger or a complimentary set of winter tires, all thanks to Kia Canada. Go check it out at Applewood Kia in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question today Can the Canucks keep up this pace? Yes or no? Voting at Sakarison Price on Twitter. And YouTube, what is the pace, you ask? Well, after that victory in Carolina, just shy of 120 standings points. Yeah. Astonishing. And to me... Like, we were thinking of this as a high 80s, low 90s, maybe if all things went well, a mid to high 90s, something like that. Yeah, 120. Now, I, I don't think we're asking this question in terms of full-on regression back to a 96-point team. At, at this point, the math just would seem almost impossible. Well, you're at 73 now. Yeah. But, you know, a, a trip, a stumble, so that it's a 105, 106-point team, I mean, it, it wouldn't be crazy to see that happen. It, it wouldn't really take away from the marvelous story that they've been, but – they haven't really shown many signs of even being human at this point here, Matt. It's it's crazy that they are, uh, you know, Boston is kind of close as they get set for this matchup. But after Boston is the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars at 68 points, five in arrears, and they played more games than the Canucks. Oh, it's stunning. And we ask this because another... First place showdown for the Vancouver Canucks this afternoon, our time, against the Bruins who lead the East. And of course, Boston is coming off a 135-point season last year, which got them home ice advantage against the Florida Panthers that they blew in losing the series. I voted yes on the poll question. Look, my head tells me probably not. You're probably not going to be able to keep up this pace for 32 more games and get to 120. But every single time they've been doubted this year, they've proved the doubters wrong. So I voted yes accordingly. I'm saying... I now fell in the line like a minion. I'm saying no because, hey, they got the win last time out. But it was tough. It's way tougher to win games like they did a couple nights ago than it is to win like they did in October and November. And even in January, there the early games in January, they're still scoring five, six goals a game. I don't know how often that's going to be able to happen here the rest oh, of the You've got to be a contrarian, huh? I, yeah, I'm not predicting doom and gloom. loves being a contrarian. I'm not predicting doom and gloom. No, I know. I think they can still win the division even with a stumble. Even at 109 points, I think they probably still win the division. Mm-hmm. By clipping along at 118, 120 points, anywhere in that, boy, I, 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 that's just... It would be truly, uh, I think somebody did the math for us. Um, I think somebody said it's, uh, here it is. It's the 11th best season in the 100-year history of the NHL. NHL If they kept it up. Points in 14 consecutive games heading into this 
uh, game against the Boston Bruins. More on that in a second because the goalies have made up, but let's get to our top story brought to you by Mr. Lube. New name in the rumor mill for the Vancouver Canucks and sounding like potentially some traction on a name that we have kicked around before. Let's start with the new report. Anthony DeMarco of the fourth period is connecting the Vancouver Canucks to Flyers defenseman Rasmus Ristolainen, who is generally loathed by the analytics community, the is la- on the last, a god-awful last... contract of $5.1 million for this year and a few more, and is producing all of four points in 30 games. This was a defenseman that scored 40 points four consecutive years. He was down to 20 last year in nearly a full season. He'll be lucky to crack 15. This year, Jay Farshaki puts out those wonderful playing cards uh, that sort of, uh, you know, are an aggregate of their various underlying stats uh, into a wins above replacement number. Uh, the last one I saw of Rasmus Ristolainen was March of 2022, so two full years ago. He was at a 1% wins above replacement. Yikes. Now, he's a big right shot defenseman. Yeah. Obviously, Philadelphia would have to retain some money here, and Philadelphia would be retaining money for several years. Three more after this one. I I, I have a little bit of trouble with this. No, it's a no for me, Doug. Uh, no. yeah. <laughs> 20, uh, age 29. I mean, he's got the pedigree. He's a big guy. He's a top 10 pick. But he certainly is not the player that he was even earlier in his career, which if you're a tire fighter in your own zone, fair enough if you can – help fill up the other net and, and at 40-some points every year. And remember, uh, some of those totals came before scoring took the little jump that we've seen here. Yeah. Not so bad. But no, if he's giving you nothing offensively and you're worried about him. And if he were a really undersized defense core, I could see you. But with right. Susie and Zadorov and Myers, it's just right. not needed. Now the number two, Phil Kessel. And I got to say, I missed this at All-Star weekend. But Rick Tockett saying, yeah, Phil Kessel is a guy who could help. Straight free agent, costs you nothing off your current team, would be addition, and we've talked about the need for depth, more quantity up front. Talk it had him in Arizona, where he was still pretty decent, and even last year, 36 points in 82 games for the Vegas Gold Knights before being used sparingly in the playoffs. That's not too, too bad. 14 goals? He's 36 now, and I'm guessing Talkett has kept up with what kind of shape Phil's in. It sounds like it. Uh, hey, again, the cost, there's no asset cost, and the cost on the cap would be minimal as well. Uh, hey, if they've done their due diligence on this and think that he's in reasonable shape, by all means, I'm doubtful of that, but if they've done that, uh, why not? Yeah, I mean, Talkett's saying 100% sure he can still play, saying there's value in Phil. It's our top story brought to you by Mr. Lou, 100% Canadian, warranty-approved oil changes, and they now provide tire service and sales with no appointment needed. There's 16 locations in the Lower Mainland for one near you. Go to MrLube.com. Yeah, and uh, talking in conversation with Luke Fox at All-Star Weekend where the Kessel quote came from. So earlier in the week we wondered, did JT Miller picking Jeremy Swayman to go up against at the skills competition, and then Thatcher Demko snubbing Jeremy Swayman's hug request. Well, that 
reignite the Bruins-Canucks rivalry? Uh, apparently not. We thought we had some real good old-fashioned hate, or at least dislike, between the Canucks and Bruins again. They sent an edible arrangement. Right, they? but yeah. they have uh, made amends. Here's Jeremy Swayman from the morning skate on Thatcher, Demko, patching things up. Yeah, I asked him in morning skate, I said, you want a hug? You did? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, he came up to me the next day, and he's like, Sway, I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, he just didn't see, I guess, and I was laughing. It was, like, totally cool. But there's still love. We, he's a good guy, so we had a good chat about it. Okay, so he was in the zone, and he just didn't see. He probably saw the video after it was like, oh. I yeah, he was like, like, I'm so answer. sorry. Yeah, yeah, so, no, he's a very good guy. And, uh no, it was awesome. It's a great group of goalies there, and we had a great time. A lot of good memories. So no hockey, splat, bad blood there. I never played against him, so yeah. uh, we didn't have that have that rivalry. But uh, no, not at all. The story here: Thatcher Demko, laser focused after like to see a that. skills competition. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, for <laughs> for those that have ever met Demko, that's that tracks. Like he would absolutely be that but, guy. But here's something: Did you see how? into it Demko was in comparison to some of the others Yeah, at the skills competition. Did he go against Crosby? I didn't but see all of it. So no, but I, like, I didn't see. Uh, Demko was, he was competing. Like he was in I'm it not surprised to win by that. it. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was, whatever the antithesis of Kucherov was, was Thatcher Demko. Captain Canuck on YouTube says, bro's line, I refuse to accept Demko apologized, LOL. I, I, I actually am a little bit surprised that Demko dealt with it at all, but I, I'm not going to say You almost wonder line. if like his, his mom or dad, like, hey, son. <laughs> you look bad there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you look bad. Guy just wants a hug at All-Star Weekend. You know, you can sort of drop the competitive guard at all at all star. Sometimes too, when stuff no. like that happens, even if it was completely unintentional, you kind of let it let you let it you know stand out there. If people are going to draw conclusions about it, eh, why not? And that uh, audio courtesy of the Boston Bruins. All right, uh, getting back to Kessel. Are, are you a yes or a no on Kessel? I, I, I'm a yes. Like I. I if they've done the due diligence and think that he's fit enough to to contribute, by all means. Now, again, and I, I'm not mean mean here, uh, I think people would agree he had fitness questions in the heart of his career, never mind when he was mm-hmm. 36. So if the due diligence has been done and that he is no less fit than he was, let's just hold his last <laughs> fitness as sort of the standard. If he's no less fit than that... Sure. Yeah. Again, he's basically and, free. And, and do you see him as much like the Golden Knights used him last year? The you know break in case of emergency. Yes. You're not playing in the playoffs unless we have injuries. Yeah. So thirteenth, fourteenth forward type. Yeah. Okay. Or like, you know, the power play goes like ice cold, something you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, look, if they're not going to take another big swing, and more on that in a second, because Chris Tanif is still out there, and there's. News on the Tana file that I think is most interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday we talked about Eric Johnson. Why? Veteran, leader, cup winner, right shot defenseman, affordable, both in terms of salary and trade acquisition. Minnesota Wild announcing Pat Patrick Maroon going for back surgery, so he's going to miss the next four to six weeks. He'll probably not be in action by the deadline. But three straight cups, 800K, 
UFA, 36, again, leader, 150 playoff games in his career. And he's got 16 points in 49 games this year. You start to wrap your heads around that style of guy, right? The guy with the Stanley Cup playoff track record, the guy with Stanley Cup rings, the guy who's got character and leadership and isn't going to mind being a spare part on a good team. Been there, done that to some degree. Four straight visits to the Cup. Oh, I know. All he does is win playoff series, that guy. Um, I'd be very, I mean, gosh, like, I don't think he's in my top twelve. Again, he's 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 like Look, Castle to to me. I, I can't imagine like right today. Who does he play in, instead of? Well, but that's the thing is he probably doesn't. No, unless you have an injury. Yeah. But I'm just using him as an example of the sorts of players mm-hmm. to wrap your head around. Much like Eric Johnson yesterday, the sorts of players to wrap your head around. If in fact it's only going to be depth pieces from here on in for the Vancouver Canucks. And here's the thing, what you could do, you sign a guy like that, you demote Nils Oman until the end of the season, and then at the end of the season when there's no salary cap, everybody's up, and you've got your pick of the litter of who to choose from, right? So uh, that's how you would make it all work, and then he may not see action in the first couple of games. So, I, I mean, it's possible, but it would have to be a sixth-round pick. I'm like, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, know. no, very, very uh, – no, I mean, you're basically getting something for nothing. You're basically yeah, yeah. You know, late round picks or C level prospects. That that's that's the sort of return we're talking about if we're going deeper. Yeah, down the well for those depth pieces. Interesting. Oman requires waivers. Oh, so does I'm he? Not okay, sure you can yeah, get not, him down Oman. Uh, that quickly. Now, Darren Dreger. Uh, a couple of things from Dreger to get to here. The Edmonton Oilers have interest in Chris Tanev, which, no duh. I mean, what an amazing fit Tanev would be on that blue line Mm -hmm. as a defensive defenseman. Sort of the exact profile of player the Oilers could really use, right? Are you at the point, if you're Rutherford Alvin, where... You have to look at making moves, not just for the sake of improving your hockey club, but keeping them away from your direct competitors in Edmonton and Vegas. The answer is yes, but only to a point. Like there has to be a price because especially with Calgary as the brokers, like Calgary would would love nothing more than to see both of those sides burn each other to a crisp in a bidding war to get those services. So, um, you know, there's only two ways you win that is that you win a low bidding war or you bid up the other side to the point where they mortgage their future. Hey, that works too. Yeah, it Even does. if you're just the stalking horse, right? Yeah. Bidding up the Oilers doesn't, I mean, it's not the ideal outcome because they still get Tanev, but it's the next best thing. Yeah. And that's the thing. He's a rental player, though, too. Um, so if you by accident win a bidding war, You've done so for a guy that you may not have next year. So uh, it's dangerous. I, I, to me, I, I get the defense thing, particularly for out-of-division guys, like for if it's a, a central division guy uh, or team that you're competing against. But in division, when you know the broker's in division as well, boy, that just smells like overpayment. 
Um, amazing that we're talking about like that's like Red Sox Yankees at their peak sort of stuff. Like you know, now we're going to trade for this guy and pay him just to keep him away from you, right? But it's just something that occurred because non cap world though. Right? I think you're going to hear of some names that are out there. Tanif is one that is going to draw interest from Vancouver, from Edmonton, and who knows, Blake, even Vegas here too, right? Arms race in the Pacific Division. That is quite possible over the next month, and we are exactly one month from NHL trade deadline. And the Oilers would have some cap gymnastics there as well. For sure. So uh, they've got 1.4 of current cap space. So it's not like, you know, they, they need some help there. There would be corresponding moves mm-hmm. to make Tanev fit for them, even at our, even if Calgary retains. Retains. The other, uh, and this was the other day from Dreger. So the New York Rangers were in on Elias Lindholm. They were one of the teams that mm-hmm. was talking to Calgary about making a trade. Dreger didn't specify this, but apparently the hands of Chris Drury and the New York Rangers front office are being tied by the owner, James Dolan, who's, you know, a bit of a different cat, kind of a uh, wildcat owner. He owns the Sphere in Las Vegas, and so he wants the Rangers to retain their first-round pick so that they can make a splash or at least participate in the first round because of where the draft is being held. The actual building, the edifice, matters to him. And so that means the Rangers can't really trade their 2024 first-round pick. I'm going to guess that every first-round pick gets blasted on the exterior of the sphere, and so he wants that He wants that, that moment. Can you make a splash with a winger from Owen Sound picked 25th <laughs> overall? Exactly. No, but this is what I'm yeah, thinking. Yeah, you're a good team. So it's, like, this is a Rangers team that could win the cup. Like, yeah. it's a pretty damn good team. Probably needs another piece or two. And you're telling your GM, who's not the most experienced guy to begin with, yeah. hands off that first-round pick. We are absolutely picking someone 26 overall. From the, the Prince sphere. Albert Raiders, uh, yeah. the New York Rangers are proud to select. Right. Yeah. From the Drummondville Voltigeurs. <laughs> but, but we'll have the image of him on the sphere, yeah. the exterior. Yeah, it's a weird choice. That is, I have never once in my life heard of, no, we've got to keep our first round pick because of where the draft is located. The actual building, not yeah. the not even the city, the building, the four walls, or I guess in the Spheres case, the one wall. The Canucks will not have that free advertisement on the outside of the Sphere. No, it's unless really too there's bad. There's a real blockbuster move that's made, but I don't suggest that they are <laughs> prioritizing recouping their first round pick. Have you heard of the distraction in Leafland going on right now? No, praise hell. John Tavares versus the CRA. Mm. Nobody wins that. The Canadian Revenue Agency. Front page of the National Post today, I saw. Here's the story. Tavares, of course, was with the New York Islanders, signed with his boyhood team, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We all, we all saw the jammies. Pajama boys. Yeah. yeah, we all saw the photo. 
Tavares' lawyers are arguing there's a tax treaty provision for artists, actors, athletes, and musicians moving north from the United States. Basically, an inducement tax-wise to get that the, those folks like, up here living in Assault Canada. to the brain drain. Exactly. Yeah. So Tavares gets a $15 million signing bonus. That was the other thing about his contract. It's almost all signing bonus, very little salary. So he gets his money up front. $15 million. Government says, well, that's taxed at 38%. His lawyers say, no, 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 no. Because of this treaty provision, that's taxed at 15%. Government says, no. You owe us $8 million. Because this is a legal proceeding now, the filing has revealed that the Dallas Stars and the San Jose Sharks were right there in the bidding with the Leafs for Tavares. It details a seven-year, $91 million offer the San Jose Sharks tabled to Tavares that he said no to because of because provision. of jammies and bed sheets. Well, and this provision undoubtedly. He he was absolutely set to make more money in tax in Texas with Dallas or in San Jose, California with the Sharks. Turned that money down to sign with the boyhood team thinking he was cool on the signing bonus being taxed heck of a precedent there and canucks fans might want to pay attention to this a little bit because if by chance he wins signing u.s residents not citizens but residents to massive front-end loaded signing bonus loaded deals all of a sudden starts to put them on more even ground with states like florida or if he loses, as Glenn yeah. McGregor points out Could in the, the National opposite. Post article, it is going to be even more difficult for Canadian teams, and this is the seven NHL teams and the Blue Jays and Raptors, mm-hmm. signing a guy coming from the U.S., giving him the signing bonus, because the first thing his agent's going to do is say, well, you may get the $10 million signing bonus, but th- $3.8 million is going to be taxed right off the hop. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, not to mention the fact, the story also points out, the tax rate for these folks has already been increased going back to 2016 by the Liberal government. They used to pay 28% tax. Now they're up to 33%. So a third of your income plus as much as 38% of the signing bonus could all be going to the CRA and the federal government for these athletes signing from the U.S. And you're right. It's not citizens. It's residents of the United States yeah. who would be moving up to Canada to sign. So with no, one, no one's feeling bad for them financially. But uh, no, of course selfishly not. as a hockey fan, you, if you see a loophole to sign a, an American-based free agent, um, boy, that would be quite a loophole. If that, if that precedent gets set, that he gets away with 15%, Boy, the rest of the Canadian team is probably rubbing their hands together thinking, okay, who's got uh, U.S. tax status right now that's a free agent coming up this summer? Interesting. Um, uh, Speaking of percentage points, and this story brings us no joy because it was three years ago tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken, 
when our old mm. radio station uh, changed formats and has since been shuttered, uh, the former AM 1040 here in Vancouver. But an extraordinary announcement today from Bell Canada that it is laying off 4,800 people nationwide, 9% of its workforce. Let's talk about that. And once again, you forgot your hashtag. True to form, Mm. true to form, uh, in the weeks after Bell Let's Talk Day, this day that is supposed to make us feel that this company is a caring. I think this is the third or fourth time they've done the the second week of February thing. And it's the second, they did it in June as well. Mm. So this is the second time in eight months that there has been layoffs. If you're laying off 9% of the workforce, maybe the problem's in the boardroom, fellas. Just throwing that out there. Like, if you can't run your company to the point where you have to lay off that many people in one fell swoop after several rounds of layoffs, maybe you don't have the right leadership. Yeah. Uh, This is going to affect all aspects of Bell Canada, including the media division. Locally here, uh, first of all, they're selling 45 of their 103 radio stations across Canada, including 16 of them here in British Columbia. And I guess that's the good news. At least those stations are being sold to to companies that want to operate radio. And hopefully they want to operate them with humans and, right. and at the same level. Uh None of them are actually in Vancouver or Vancouver Island. You've got six up north, and then you've got 16 in the interior that are being sold. I don't know what is going to happen of the other 58 Bell Media radio stations across the country, but I, I fear for them, mm-hmm. uh, given the history of just walking away from frequencies. And, uh, again, locally, there will be no more CTV News at Noon. In fact, there will be no more CTV News at noon in any market except for Toronto. And there will be no more CTV News on weekends in all markets except for Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa. And I don't necessarily know why Ottawa and Montreal survive. Toronto gets Toronto, Montreal because it's the Bell Base, and Ottawa because Because it's it's the Parliament Hill? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, So needless to say, and look, uh, Blake and I are now nearly three years started up here as local independent media, April of 2021. So a couple months after uh, we lost the radio station, Blake and I started up and we we started up under the premise that these Toronto telecoms just don't care about this market. And and I'll give, I'll actually give Rogers some credit. At least they're making an effort. There seems to be an effort out of Rogers, uh, particularly after buying Shaw throughout Western Canada, there's no effort at Bell Media. The statement today from Mirko uh, Bibich, their CEO, uh, blames the economy. And, okay, these aren't the best economic times. And, in fact, details massive losses in the radio division uh, versus projected sales. But it also blames regulation. And I think that's the thing that is stuck in my craw the most out of all of this. Any broadcaster's foundational requirement in this country by the CRTC 
is you got to do some news programming. You got to actually do some things that educates the citizenry, lets them know what's going on at different levels of government and, it's a and in their balance. community. And Bell's asking to be exempt from that. No, we just we we can't make a go of it if we have to do that. Mm-hmm. That's the reason you have the license. That that's the deal you make to get these licenses. Far easier just to roll reruns of Law and Order. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, look, once again, it's going to be a day where you're going to continue to see a lot of people posting to social media about how they're caught up in the cuts. Again, you're laying off 4,800 people. This is going to affect all facets of Bell's business, so I'm sure there will be someone at either TSN or locally at CTV or with one of the Bell Media radio stations. There will be people out there today who are losing their jobs that I would suspect most everybody listening knows or has listened to, watched, what have you, over the years. And uh, I feel for them today. Uh, Thinking about them. We have both uh, been there, sadly. Okay, let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Greta. And a reminder, Canucks Army, secure some price. We're hosting a game day watch party February 22nd at Greta. The doors are at 6 p.m. It's a ticket event, $10 tickets, proceeds going to Canucks Place. You can get your $10 tickets at nationgear.ca. That's Nationgear. .ca, 6 p.m. February 22nd at Greta, 70 West Cordova. Prizes, food, and drink specials, a guaranteed good time. And you get to meet Blake Price. Probably, yeah. He may even do a photo with you. Yeah. Probably not photos. No, no, no photos. No drawings. I love drawings. Blake's a pretty good artist. He might draw you something. <laughs> Uh, we'll talk to Patrick Johnson here. It's been a couple weeks since we've caught up with the Canucks Beat reporter for the province and post media. Looking forward to that. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, another wrinkle in the Arizona Coyotes saga. Plus, we're finding out how we're going to divvy up $1.5 billion amongst golf professionals going forward, and it's going to be messy. Uh, Arash Mandani of Sportsnet is at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas which has got to be the biggest Love Fest Super Bowl media week I think I have ever experienced. There's great respect between Kansas City and San Francisco. They are lauding the others and their accomplishments. Barely a whiff of controversy in Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, a place where the NFL once upon a time didn't even accept their advertising dollars because they were squeamish about a connection to sports gaming. You finally bring your signature event to Las Vegas. And as of midday Thursday, not a single player's gotten in trouble. And there has been other than some griping about the practice field, the 49ers were given barely any controversy. I was really hoping the guy that climbed the sphere was Travis Kelsey, but was not Not the case. Do you think it could have been James Dolan? Do you think it could have been a winger from Owen Sound figuring to go 25th (laughs) overall in the NHL entry draft? The Caps played as well, got their season going in CONCACAF Champions Cup over on the island against Tigris. We'll talk about that as well. But, Blake, some uh, business to attend to with regards, in my case, 
to Super Bowl. Oh, we're putting money. Best where where putting going money. there again. Uh, presentation of Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino. You seem anxious. Go ahead. Well, I said I was going to do a week of uh, Super Bowl props, so I'm down on my final prop here. And we'll talk about this subject with Rashmanani. That Brock Purdy ball, it just hangs that extra second. He just doesn't have – they use the word, the phrase arm talent now. I don't know how arm talent replaced arm strength, but nevertheless, but here we are. Arm. Well, arm talent, like if you're not a football fan, what does arm talent mean? Arm strength. Arm strength. Well, I guess that's what we're talking. Are we about. talking like the different angles, like Mahomes and if 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 you want to talk about that, then yeah, it's not purely strength. Yeah. But when we're just talking about getting the ball from A to B on a zip line, Brock Purdy, he's just not quite of the level of well, no one's at the Patrick Mahomes level, but he's not at the star level. Uh, so I expect an interception in this game from Kansas City. Legereus Sneed. He missed the early part of Super Bowl week. Why? He and his girlfriend were having a baby, baby girl. Jim Nance is doing the broadcast. Jim Nance always talks about the new fathers. He talks about it in golf, talks about it in basketball, talks about it in football. Why? They just play carefree. The baby bump. They have had something happen in their lives that makes the games feel, you know, pretty inconsequential in comparison, mm -hmm. right? So you go on out. You play free. You know you're going home to something special. Legereus Sneed, 11-1 to 1 to make an interception in the Super Bowl. And I'm putting a nickel down. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to just get into my Super Bowl pick tomorrow. I'm going, That's a mine. Going back to the ice today, or for tomorrow. Um, the Anaheim Ducks get the unenviable task of taking on the Oilers after... The streak is snapped. Oh, this could get ugly. Could get ugly. Or maybe just maybe there's a letdown from the Oilers. You think? They finally lost. It's Anaheim? No Zegras? You're getting 320 if you think the Oilers might just let down a little bit. Oh, I hate that. After the streak that was. No, no. One, the, the, the tax is not good enough. It's only 136. No, I know. So you, you can't bet them to win. No. But I'm not betting them to lose. Come on. Take a little bit of a risk. For, yeah. I'm going 11-1 on my props. Sports Interaction, your homegrown sportsbook and casino featuring custom props and parlays you won't find anywhere else. Speaking directly to the Vancouver sports fan, plus a best-in-class casino, thousands of games and live dealers. Sports Interaction, bet local, must be 19 years of age, and please play responsibly. Patrick Johnson is next. Joined now by Patrick Johnson of the Province and Post Media. It's been a couple of weeks, Blake. We missed him last week. We took a couple of days off with the Canucks by. Hi, I'm Matt. He's Blake. Good Pleased to see you again. You. Pleased to meet you. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, I was just out there seeing if I was worth a first-round pick. That was, you know, oh, everybody's worth first-round pick. Yeah. Nick Dow goes for a first-round pick. Patrick, everybody's worth a first-round <laughs> pick at that point. Um, did you get away at all? Did you? Uh, no. Come on. No. No, no, but the ladies are away. They're in Mexico. They're having a good oh, time. my goodness. Your wife and her I, friends, they, they, they 
they take more vacations per capita than I think no, any friend group I it. know. They've and, and, and you're always left behind. Like now, this, no, here, I gotta say, here. Candace has got a good thing going on here. No, let me put it this way. I there there was a, a chance that came up to have done something last weekend. Mm-hmm. months and months and months ago a friend of mine it's his 40th birthday he lives in england uh he threw sort of the global invitation out the original plan was to go to rome to watch england versus italy six nations rugby oh wow and and i actually was it was far enough ahead that i actually did a little research and i actually could have found it you know i would have had to sort of it would have been a you know i think two-stop flight but you fly through the u.s kind of deal and i found a pretty decent price and then he and the boys, in fact, he, in fact, had booked a bunch of hotel rooms just to make sure that it was covered off because, you know, England away, any England away travel, any sport in Europe, you've got to be ahead of the curve, like ahead of the curve. Right. Anyway, he was on top of it. What he hadn't looked into was the price of flights from London to Rome for that particular weekend, for all the obvious reasons, because there's going to be all these English rugby fans wanting to go. And so it didn't happen. And so now they're doing it something this week in like Seville. And I was like, guys, I got to work. I can ignore the NHL All-Star game, but I can't ignore the Canucks in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there you go. I was this close. So I'm trying. I'm trying to make something happen, Matthew. To partying with the English yobs in Rome. And instead, yeah. you I wrote know. about Marty Walsh. Um, and there you go. Come, he can't come to our Greta event on the 22nd of February because he has his Strata AGM. They, where he may deal. get promoted to strata president from big vice day. president after big a long here, and arduous campaign through I've, Iowa and New Hampshire. I've never heard more people involved in the strata than I have in the last few years. Honestly, like why would you ever join a strata? Why? Well, it is creating it, problems in your life that you can just completely ignore so long as Do you, you really don't... care about the furniture and the foyer that right. much it's not no boys this is big time stuff we got to replace the stairs <laughs> on the outside of the building parkade <laughs> repairs come on okay oh all right it is unbusy people who need to feel important or, in life oh come on matthew if you knew how important this strata was <laughs> i told my parents you stay far away from the strata as possible if somebody oh, talks oh, to you in the yeah, elevator no. about anything strata you polite you nod, you smile, yeah. you walk out, you don't give it yeah. another second's thought. Yeah. You, if Fake you governments. Doing, yeah. Retired retired communities yeah. that have stratas. My buddy's mom is involved and they meet, meet every week. If oh. that was what we were doing, I would not be involved. Like, it's, honestly, if, if 13-year-olds want to get together for a mock UN General Assembly, have at it. That is part of the education process. But when grown-ups decide oh we're gonna create our own little you know government quasi-judicial uh body over here new no. stay far away so to bring this back to hockey a, um, <laughs> yeah four minutes in so um, um are, are the canucks merely going to change the furniture in the foyer i.e a seventh defenseman or um are are they going to completely revamp the exterior lighting and the parkade yeah staircase uh, for a fourth uh you know defenseman right side that's pretty good Is, would would phil kessel be like changing the lock on the bike cage downstairs something like that yes mm-hmm. i think yeah. so yeah mm-hmm. um it's combo lock now here's the code don't share it with anyone or we're gonna drag you in front guys, of the strata share it. <laughs> i i think you're more i think you're more onto something there like i mean I, I think they would love to add another big piece but i'm not sure they do it in the market if, if there really is a market for a first round pick for nick dowd like 
I'm not sure those you're really chasing. You, you want to make moves, but like some of them are going to be nuts. And that may just price you out, especially. But if you honestly, today we're talking about today we're talking about a first round pick for Nick Dow. Yesterday we we're like maybe it's a buyer's market at, at the end of it. No, so, uh, so which is it? Uh, honestly, I think, I think I, it is. A what a buyer's? I think if you make some of these, I, I I think if you wait another month here, I think you have more teams looking to sell. I think you're going to get some value at the deadline this year. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and I I think there's enough. There's enough teams that I kind of already know they're not in it, even though, you know, you look at like the Western Conference wildcard race and there's like four or five teams in the mix there, right? Um, there's enough teams that kind of know they're out and there's enough to, you know, look at Calgary, like Calgary already knows they're they're selling. Um, it's not just Tanev, it's Hannafin. Like there's guys, there's more guys moved there. I, I, I do think the Canucks are pretty happy with their defense core. Um, adding Lindholm obviously is a huge, huge thing for them. Um, and we've already seen how it, I think, changes the dimensions of their lines. Um, that said, as I've said more than once, Jim Rutherford didn't stop at Doug Waite in 2006. He went and got Mark Recchi at the deadline as well. Like, he built a whole new second second line. So, you know, in their heart of hearts, you know, would they like to get a Frank Vetrano? Where does Frank, Frank Vetrano sit? on this roster, right? Like, I think that's the kind of guy, the guy that they could still be interested in. There certainly is some cap room. Like they have almost 2 million really in, in sort of space with how the LTIR is set up and, and juggling things around. Um, if you can convince a team to do retention, if you can do a trade through a third party to make things really cheap, you know, I think that there's, there's, there are things they could do here, right? They are not as hamstrung as they might've been in the past, even if it is challenging. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I don't think they, I don't think they're shy about trying to find something else to do. I'm just not sure if they'll be able to do it. That's the only thing. Hey, um, and it's interesting you say Vitrano, uh, cause, um, boy, we got a lot of, we did some Vitrano, uh, talk last week and got a lot of response on that. A- answer me this. Do you think Mikheyev is in play here? like Kuzmenko, or do you just think he's in a slump and he is part of the plans going forward? I mean, I mean, first of all, yes, he's definitely in a slump. I think, too, he's in the reality of ACL recovery. I mean, go back to Pavel Bure. Think about how long it took him to come back. It really hasn't changed. There's a lot of examples of substantial knee surgery and taking a while to come back. He's, it's been a year since he had his surgery now. Um, I, I I have a hard time imagining just with how he's played and the sort of perception of what he might be. He's not coming off a 39-goal season. To me, that was the Kuzmenko advantage and that you could see he was at least trying stuff. The thing with McKay, we just haven't seen anything. Like, that's been the hard thing to see. Um, if they could flip him out for something else, I suppose. I don't have any insights on that particular question. Um okay. I have been pondering what they might do in that spot. You know, there's a reason why I mentioned the recce thing, but I, I think they their their preference certainly would be for him to get on track and start popping yeah. some goals and to work with that line as as it's set up. I ask in part because you know the one thing the Lindholm trade didn't do was add quantity because you shipped right. out one forward to bring another forward back, yeah. and I think at yeah. some point it's a quantity and depth matter as much as it is a quality matter and getting rid of guys who aren't 
necessarily playing their best hockey right now. Well, let's address you, you know, playfully uh, referenced the, the Phil Kessel thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, Luke Fox asked Rick Tockett about that during the All Star break. And, yeah, you know, it was a, it was a, pretty emphatic endorsement that he thought the Kessel had game left, which was a little bit odd because if he didn't, if he hadn't been speaking with Phil Kessel, he'd probably be like, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen him in, in months. <laughs> you know, you'd give sort of a middling answer. I think yeah. it was sort of emphatic, which leads you to believe you might know something. Yeah. I mean, I saw the quote and I, I sort of went, okay. I mean, listen, he was Rick's best forward basically consistently when he was coaching in Arizona, right? Like that yeah. was sort of the most consistently best forward that he had. Um, he was a really good player, <laughs> really important player on the two Stanley Cup teams in Pittsburgh, which of course was eight and seven years ago. Um, I, I I do look at the at Kessel's season last year where he played a lot for Vegas and then barely played in the playoffs and became a spare part. Um, to me, Kessel, I I if I'm the Canucks, I think you're looking at Kessel as sort of the the the, the fail safe option that if there's nothing else that plays out. That's a guy that you can bring in. I mean, he he hasn't played in 10 months. That's the thing. And no matter how hard he's been skating, no matter how hard he's been trying to keep himself in shape, it's going to take him a while. It, you know, if they had signed, if there had been an opportunity to sign him, say in December, something like that, like then you have a little more window for him to get fit, get back in, ease him in. But we're, you know, we're getting close now. I mean, trade deadline's in a month, less than a month, or it's a month almost exactly, I think. And then the playoffs are in just over two months. Like that's not a lot of time to work with anymore with a player like him. Um, so I don't think it's impossible. I just think it's, I, I think it's well down the list of likely and that there are other options. I'm, I think they're looking at ahead of that. He'd be super cheap and it means you don't spend yeah. a dime of asset uh, yeah. to, to, yeah. to, to yeah. bring in. So that would be the, yeah. that would be the other part of it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe he ends up being an insurance option over and above, something other move depending on how that's structured but i mm-hmm. I, I you know I, I just i don't get the sense it's not impossible but i also don't get the sense that it's it's high on the list right now uh dragger says the oilers are in on tanf sure i mean they should be <laughs> yeah, oh, oh no absolutely absolutely which thus i'm asking the question are you at the point do you think they're at the point where you may look at making a move, not just to improve your hockey club, but to keep a key piece away from a direct competitor. Because I think everybody recognizes TANF would be exactly what Edmonton needs. I, I, I wouldn't put it past this group. I mean, if you look deep inside some of the moves that Rutherford made, like the Mark Streit trade who barely played in the playoffs, played 18 games down the stretch and then played three games in the playoffs. Like that was a guy who could still play. And that, that I think in hindsight looked like a move of just trying to make sure that the depth guy doesn't land somewhere else that you're keeping it away from a rival. I could absolutely see them trying to, trying to do that. Um, you know, the, the interest in Tanner was definitely there in the Lindholm talks the price of everything and trying to make it work under the cap. I get I'm sure was what held that up. Imagine um, the Flames playing these two teams off of each other. Too. Oh my like, god! Oh, yeah. oh, delicious. Yeah, it is delicious. It's, it's sort of you know you want to win, but if the second best thing is that you can drive Edmonton and Vancouver crazy, I think that's, that's certainly something <laughs> that's, gonna, right. that's a role you're going to yeah. try to play, right? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, uh, they're on a 120 point pace here. 
<laughs> yes. Going into, in, into this, uh, you know, would-be Stanley Cup preview uh, against yeah. Boston. Now, clearly the best team in the league by every metric. Yeah. You think they can keep a nine-game homestand in March? They go like a full month without even leaving the yeah. city of Vancouver. Like, regression talks out, out the window, but there is a world in which they have a five-game losing streak and finish with 108 points, which would still be a great season and all that sort of thing. But do you see even that happening? Or are they going to just keep it up? I mean, they are the last team that has yet to lose, or they are the last team that has yet to lose three games in a row, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't done that. Um, I'm not the first person to say this. I mean, many have said this before me. They have been much better since Christmas. That sort of mini training camp after Christmas that they were able to have, just working on a little more strategy stuff, system stuff, I, I think has made a difference. Uh, the goaltending remains fantastic. The, the foundation of this team um, is solid, right? The, the defensive two-way game is solid. The fact that they've, I mean, their shooting percentage had even strengthened this down to 11.7, guys. They're barely scoring. <laughs> they're, they're under 12. But uh, they're still, you know, two, 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 two percentage points over above kind of what I think most teams realistically can hope to shoot so they may run a dry patch i mean i don't think they're gonna it's gonna be hard for them to run dry patch given how they approach shooting the offensive zone now that that they actually hold the puck rather than shoot the puck um and there is i think maybe something to that though on the whole you just know the numbers win out in the end no matter what you are trying to do the simple truth is is that you know you're not going to keep scoring at the rate you're scoring um yeah, I I could see them. You lose a few more games here. Yeah, I could, you know, the hundred. I, mean, I laugh when you say hundred twenty point pace because it's just it's it on its face sounds absurd. No matter who the team is, that was the Boston Bruins last year. With most, I mean, think how crazy the Bruins season was last year, and how everything went right for that team. And that team was like a deep, talented team. And the Canucks are deep and talented. They're, I don't think they're the Boston Bruins of last year. Um, yeah, I I think there's going to be some bumps. This road trip they're on is a tricky one. There's another tricky one in a couple weeks. Um, there's probably going to be some that long home stand. Like you could lull yourself a little bit into complacency. Completely. Like I can just see it. It's inevitable. There's what, what yeah. you, you know. You, nine game home stands too long. And going and yeah. coming. No, absolutely. Too long. Yeah. At some so, point in the nine game home stand, you're going to go off. You're going to have a night. You're going to do something out of routine, yeah. and you're going to like drop a Thursday game to the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. Uh, because you're not I don't, as ready Yeah, I still, but I still think things are set up that I just, I think it's, it is going to be a surprise if they do lose three games in a row, which sounds absurd to say it, just in terms of the way they've been playing, the way they've been sort of ma- managing themselves emotionally. I, I think back to the story I put together before the All-Star game, which I put on the weekend, uh, up on the weekend about just the most fun thing. And, and Pedersen was just so emphatic on the, the notion of how they've been able to deliver on their own expectations. You know, they've set a standard for themselves and they're delivering and they have that pattern of success. And, and you know, that the, they've got, they, they, they're huge fans of the coach. They're huge fans of what the coach has them doing because they're getting the results and they can see it and they believe in him and they believe in each other. Um there's that the confidence is quiet and very, very, very strong on this well, team. Quinn Queen Hughes saying that being shitty for that long has yeah. made them want to compete oh, yeah. every night. Yeah. 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 And you know, like that's what Quinn said to me. He said, you know, I think I said this before, but you know, that that 
you know, 70% of their success is Rick talking his coaching staff and Tyler Myers totally agree. You know, you want one player who's improved his game and become one of the best players in the NHL and another player who's improved his game to be, you know, a competent every night contributor in Tyler Myers. Like both those guys have seen different versions of the same thing, which is that, that everything's working and that, that they believe in each other and they're playing better. And I, they're just going to keep going. I mean, they've won, they haven't lost in how many games, like actually lost in regulation and 12, well, 11, and Lewis. 12. Yeah. Right. Like they're going to lose. It's not the end of the world, but they're playing they are lots of things that are going for them so i just i think they're just going to keep it going. feels like they're scoring less and you mentioned the scoring uh the shooting percentage yeah. going down i just checked you know how many times they've scored more than four goals more than four goals in the calendar year of 2024 six oh times yeah like, like it feels like they're scoring less but they're really not much <laughs> like yeah. still yeah still yeah. scoring and, five six goals and that's the one thing that you, if they if they're going to score less. They're going to have fewer of those games. They're just going to have to win. They're going to end up winning games more by one goal. Like, yeah, I think that's right. It's been the story of the season is they're winning by blowouts night after night after night. I was going to wrap up this segment by saying we had a spicy, jocular, fun interview with Patrick. And for the listener or two who keeps at us on this, not a single curse word involved. And then this guy goes and drops a shitty. We were this close to doing something great, Patrick. Oh well, and he blew it for us. I mean, you know, I don't know, Matt. We started talking about about Stratos for four minutes. Yeah, that was a little much. It was a little much. Uh, we're going to end this with talk of Six Nations rugby. There's a new oh, Netflix boy. reality series. Have you seen the Netflix reality series? On I'm, Six I'm aware rugby? of it, but I am. Yeah, I started it. It didn't hold my attention. Even no, the great no. Scottish accents didn't hold my attention. No. Matthew, there's a referee documentary on the uh, available. Oh well. wow! <laughs> Sounds scintillating. A referee documentary. Rugby referee. Yeah, it's on rugby pass. Oh, rugby referees. Yeah. Oh, still. I know you're a big fan of them. You know, you might appreciate that. Oh, I'm a I'm a fan of the uh, rugby play by play guys, particularly the Scottish ones who referred to the Jamie. Hika. Jamie Lyle, if you can, if you want, I can get them. We're uh, we're social media. Really? Can, oh, okay. You don't like you know, the Canadian rugby play-by-play play play guys? No, oh, yeah, the Canadian this rugby play-by-play guy. Play guy, I just don't believe him. This guy, my protege. Exactly. <laughs> Until next week. Take care, guys. Mm-hmm. Take care of some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Need a truck? Head to Applewood GM in Port Hardy. The 2024 Sierras are in. Sierra 1500s can be financed from 0.99% on select trim. So go give them a call. Applewood GM in Port Hardy. It's all good at Applewood. Poll question. Can the Canucks keep up this pace? Yes or no? You can vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter and YouTube. And speaking of Twitter, it's time now for hashtags. The best and worst of Twitter.com. Going to lead off with... Uh, Reporting on the Arizona Coyotes matter, Andy Strickland in St. Louis says, expect the NHL to make an announcement related to the Arizona Coyotes situation sometime soon after the Super Bowl. So not Super Bowl Sunday, Blake. They don't have the temerity to bury the announcement. The league has been pressuring the team for answers on a daily basis for some time. Here's the interesting part. The league buying the team from the Coyotes' current owners 
is in play. So there you have it. You buy the team from the Coyotes owner. You put the screws to them so you get it at a pretty good price. And then you flip it to Ryan Smith in the Utah group at inflated value. And all the governors get more money, Blake. Yeah. To recoup all the money that they've sunk into the Arizona Coyotes. And I do mean sunk. Was it? It wasn't in that tweet about the gambling thing, was it? About the... uh... What's the what's the current Coyote use owner's name? Uh, Morello. Yeah, yeah. There's a sport. You get a sports book attached to your um, to your game to your uh, team that you own there. Oh. And he wants to keep a sport. There, there. Apparently, he might get a sports book outside of the Coyotes in the next few days. And if he gets that, if he gets approval for that, then he can oh, divest yeah. himself more quickly from from the Coyotes. Oh, yeah. He just doesn't want to lose his sports book. Uh, thoughts and prayers. Yeah, exactly. At and the Utah Jazz finalizing a trade to send El- Kelly Olenek and guard Ochai Agbaji to the uh, Toronto Raptors for Kira Lewis, Otto Park- Parker, and a 2024 Porter. first round. What did I say? Yeah. Yeah, Otto Parker. Porter. And a uh, 2024 first round pick. Uh Clarified by Josh Lewenberg, the pick is the worst of their four first-rounders. They got four of them. So it'll be a late first-rounder. Um, the Raptors have liked Agbaji for a while. He's a lottery pick from 2022 who's shown some flashes. Olenek is its not known if he's going to end up as a Raptor. He would be the ninth to play for the Raptors if it – the ninth Canadian to play for the Raptors if it, he does. He might get rerouted. He might just get flipped. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Agbaji was – Barely a lottery pick um, and hasn't really done a whole lot in two NBA seasons. Good player at Kansas, a great college player, won a national championship. Well, nice to see the pride of uh, Kamloops, and, and he was born in Toronto, as we know. The Olympics, uh mm-hmm. have traveled some in their basketball journeys over the years. Uh, you know, it'd be a, a nice fit on that team, especially, you know, especially with Pirtle out, but Jazz are, are a play-in team right now, so Kelly moves from a play-in team to a non-play-in team. But. The um, the big thing with the Raptors is they have to get one of those top four picks because they have to if it if their uh, if their pick falls inside outside the top four, I believe it gets rerouted to San Antonio. And sorry, Pirtle is not out. Um, so you want to, yeah, that, that'll be the game now. Can you sink far enough to the bottom that your lottery odds are going to sustain you as a bottom four club to keep your first round? Or do they feel the need to? In what is not exactly a great draft. Or do they feel the need to be mildly better? They're four games back of a play-in spot. Do they still have dreams of that? You're not trading Siakam and... Ananobi. You're right, and going for the playoffs. And right. going yeah. for the playoffs. No, the right. die is cast yeah. there. They're, they, are, they are in tank mode. Uh, at a case of the golf one, an email sent to players breaks down the equity stake of the for-profit enterprise. So last week, the PGA Tour announcing that $1.5 billion, with the B, dollars in new financing had been secured. Uh, the sources, all these... North American team franchise owners who have stepped up in order to keep the PGA Tour away from the Saudis and the live folks. 
So 193 players total will be getting $930 million in the next few weeks. In fact, right after the Players' Championship is when they're going to start doling out this money. Uh, There are four subsets of player that are going to get money. Group 1... And 750 of the 930 is going to this group one of players. 36 players based on career performance, last five-year performance, and player impact program results. So that's the Rory's. That's the Tigers, those guys. Group two, $75 million shared by 64 players based on the last three-year performance. Not a lot of money for sixteen no, yeah. million bucks. Yeah. yeah. Group three, thirty million dollars in aggregate equity will be granted to fifty-seven players that have earned certain fully exempt PGA Tour status categories, and then Group four is like a legacy fund, seventy-five million to thirty-six players who are instrumental in building the modern PGA Tour. So people are wondering, and Jay Monahan says that they are going to um, go about educating the players over the next few weeks and then deciding who's in what category. Like, did the legacy guys, are you going back to the Jack Nicholas's and the Lee Trevino's of the world? Is it going to be a, a historical line drawn a little sooner than that? No player is eligible for two grants, so you're going to fit into one of these categories. And, of course, you want to fit into Group 1. And then over the next six years, there will be an additional $600 million doled out, about $100 million per year, based on three-year performance and player impact program. This is going to be exceedingly messy in terms of figuring out who falls into what category. I think you're going to hear from some squabbling on this. And Blake, 193 players? That's where they drew the line? That is a really big tent. Got to draw a line somewhere, but it is a big tent. Uh, I saw Scotty Scheffler commenting on on Liv and all that, saying, mm-hmm. hey, uh, you know, I don't begrudge these guys at all, but there has to be some accounting when they want to come back. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, it's just funny to hear Scheffler. Like, Scheffler's like, I know they're going to want it. Like, yeah. It, the subtext is they're going to want to come back. come back. Well, and, and particularly if you get to a point where – you're not going to be able to compete in major championships, and certainly the PGA Championship. And Greg Norman promised all the live golfers they would be yeah. getting points. They still right. aren't getting and points. And the, uh, the official world golf rankings, um, and yet there are lawsuits here. And so, anyways, the mess continues yeah. in men's professional golf in terms of how we're divvying up the pie. You want mess. Oh. You want pie. Oh, I want pie. At NY Post, Camilla Valieva tried using strawberry dessert and her clumsy grandfather to get out of Olympics ban. This is the Russian Olympic figure skater. This is an all-timer it's uh, an for all-timer. me in terms of the dog ate my At C. Brandon Sports, new detail from the CAS report. Camilla Valieva said the prohibited substance entered her body through the consumption of a strawberry dessert made by her grandfather on a chopping board where he crushed his heart medicine. The CAS said that, quote, that was not corroborated by any concrete evidence, end quote, or any sweet evidence, for that matter. Uh, um, you're telling me there's not video of Grandpa crushing his heart medicine? No. 
No. Uh, she the the story goes and apparently like all those Russian troll farms. Not one of them can produce <laughs> grandpa crushing heart medicine. Apparently the the court of arbitration constantly was rolling their eyes as they had to as they called it the dessert explanation or the grandfather explanation. Yeah. And um the story goes that before she left for the national championships, the Russian this is where the subs, the, uh, the the sample was taken. He, he made her this uh, going away dessert mm. that she could take with her to the national championships. Um, Thoughtful and, grandpa. Yeah. So really, I mean, it's his fault. At Moore, Scott Moore. This is the former head of Sportsnet. I'm honored to be joining the Invictus Games team in Vancouver Whistler as CEO. This is an amazing cause, and we're looking forward to staging the first-ever Winter Invictus Games next February. Yeah, it's actually the one-year countdown. February 8th to the 25th next year, 550 competitors from 25 nations. And if you're not familiar with the Invictus Games, founded by Prince Harry for wounded, injured, and sick servicemen and women, both serving and veterans and our Invictus Games is going to add four different sports: alpine skiing, Nordic skiing, skeleton, and wheelchair curling. The pre-existing slate of sports is indoor rowing, sitting volleyball, swimming, wheelchair rugby, and wheelchair basketball. So Scott Moore is uh, here in Vancouver. He's the guy behind the uh, big national television rights deal for Sportsnet, uh, not to mention a local radio station startup. In a related story, Invictus Games is now the NHL broadcaster. They've spent $3 trillion to get the right seal. And that's hashtags for today. Rashman Danny is covering Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas for Sportsnet. It is the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, the second time in four years these two teams are meeting in what is got to be at least through to Thursday morning here. Maybe the quietest, blandest, offense-free Super Bowl week I think I've ever experienced. Second time in four years, this rivalry is boiling over. <laughs> when is What's the over-under on a Kansas City or San Francisco player coming out here to the Strip and getting arrested on Friday or Saturday? Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's get something. Throw us a bone here. Yeah. You know? Somebody climb the sphere. Do exactly. something. You know? Like. Who would you pick? Who's Who's the knucklehead who would do it? Well, Kadarius Tony, I think, is the betting favorite there by Sports Interaction. Minus four hundred. Oh, um, no! But uh, how many of these have you covered now, Arash? How many Super Bowls? Uh, I think it's like seven or eight. Okay, like, have you ever encountered one like this? Just both teams kind of. Practice, like each practicing other. football on the off days. You know, and, yeah, like yeah. both teams kind of like each other and respect each other and their players are buddies and nobody is, uh, nobody's got the competitive bit between the teeth yet. Yeah. By the sounds I mean, of it. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, you know, like two of the guys you, you would think could pop off and really show their personality are Kittle and Kelsey, right? And then you think about it and you're like, oh, right, they're the the founders of 
tight end you like everybody's kind of got a business relationship with somebody like where's the rivalry here um i think that everyone's afraid of the bulletin board material because the most tired thing going on in sports these days is chip on your shoulder the haters out there no one cares guys like really like people aren't out there hating on the kansas city defense they're really not so it almost seems like internally they're manufacturing things and the edict has been given don't say or do anything stupid that may fire up the other guys i don't know you're the best tight end in the world. No, you're the best tight end in the right. world. Right. I love you, Terrible man. Terrible hype, man. Yeah. If we're gonna, if they're focused on football, then I guess we have to be focused on football too. And I'm, my worry is there is that there's the potential. Like on paper, this sounds like a fun Super Bowl. Are are we gonna be disappointed by that? I mean, look. Somebody asked me before coming down here, what's your favorite? What's what are you most looking forward to? You know, a week in Vegas. And I'm like, well, there's the sphere over there, but I'm not spending six grand to go watch you too. So I guess the, the thing I'm looking forward to the most is not splitting kings at the blackjack table and the game, yeah, the actual game, because San Francisco to me is wire to wire been the best team in the NFC. Um, I thought Baltimore was the best team all year in the AFC. And then, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey doing Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey things and that defense doing their thing. It should be very good. But at the same time, I look at this, if not for 15, to me, San Francisco is by far the better team. They have way more weapons. Their defense is very loaded, except they've been dreadful on third down. Their front has been MIA. Um, And how do you count out Mahomes? How do you count out Mahomes when this dude not only just makes magic, but doesn't turn the football over? Whereas the dude in San Francisco, the second-year guy, turns the ball over a lot. Honestly, if we got the same game as we got four years ago where San Francisco's the better team through three quarters and then their quarterback, who's not quite Super Bowl level, throws a couple picks and they lose, I would not be the least bit surprised. Yeah, it sounds like the right storyline, doesn't it? Like, it honestly, Brock Purdy in the role of Jimmy Garoppolo could absolutely be a thing on Sunday. so you think about how San Francisco's gotten here in spite of Purdy against Green Bay and then Purdy helps win it for them with his legs, not his arm. I don't see that happening. I don't see Purdy's mobility being being a real factor there. But what, what I don't know about you guys, but what amazes me is everybody on the field knows that the ball is going to 87 in Kansas City. And yet somehow Kelsey always finds space. And I want to sit, you know, sit here and say, well, you know, you got Greenlaw and you got Warner. There's no way San Francisco is going to allow that to happen, except they continue to allow things like that to happen. I mean, by every measure, Detroit should be in this game. But Josh Reynolds drops two balls and Jameer Gibbs fumbles the football and Dan Campbell does Dan Campbell things. And, you know, they get shut out in the second half and, that wasn't because of San Francisco's defense. So I'm just I'm just wondering how Kansas City wins this game with its offensive weapons. And it keeps coming back to me that it's got to be 87 because I think they're going to really struggle running the football without Joe Tooney on Sunday. Should we savor it extra because it'll be his last game or do you think he's coming back? Who, Kelsey? Yeah. Oh, Kelsey's coming back. Yeah. It's dominant. 
tight end in the game. Come on. Oh, he wouldn't well, be. He wouldn't be. No, he, he, he would need an outlet that gets some more publicity than playing uh, for a very good thing. NFL. Team. He wouldn't be retiring because he has no game left. He'd be retiring because he sees dollar signs elsewhere or sees excitement elsewhere. I would. That would be my only case. I wonder what his what's what's Travis's excitement like. Zach, if you talk to Zach Caleros, Travis's excitement is crushing cans of Keystone and playing N64. Like, let's remember the dude is from rural Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's got the billionaire megastar uh, partner right now. I think he's got the best of all worlds. And the other thing about Kelsey is, like, I think he still just really likes football. Yeah. Especially big game football. And when you have that quarterback and that head coach, you're going to be playing big time football. Who's guaranteed you, uh, catch more, him or Gronk? Who what? Sorry. Who, who's a guaranteed catch? Like it seems just like you, when you got nothing left, you, you you know ten yards to Kelsey, and it's a guaranteed catch. Who who is that more guaranteed to Gronk or Kelsey? Oh, I, to me, it's Kelsey, and that's yeah. no reason to be biased. Um, look, Kelsey, of course, is the beneficiary of having Mahomes, but Gronk to me was the beneficiary of having Brady and Edelman, and Amendola. And let's remember, Aaron Hernandez, we're allowed to say it, mm-hmm. um, and that Belichick fella, too. And then they go to Tampa, and my, the weapons have been more aplenty that, that have allowed Gronk to do Gronk things. To me, you know, you look back even to the Baltimore game, fourth and two on the opening drive, it was Kelsey. Opening touchdown, it's Kelsey. Something about this guy in the biggest moments um, – you know, even Mahomes was talking about it the other day. Just like when the lights come on, there's something about Kelsey that just takes him to another level. And he and his barber invented the fade haircut. He was telling us the other day, it's the two, two and a half clip he was he was talking about. Did it. you see like, that okay. clip? Yeah. His haircut now has become a thing. The skin fade? Well, I mean, yeah. When you're dating Taylor Swift, everything about you becomes a mm-hmm. thing. I think that's the lesson. I think that's the lesson there. What are the chances Andy Reid's coaching his last football game and we have the entirety of football coaching Mount Rushmore in the 21st century get fired or leave the sport in one month? I would say slim to none unless Andy, and obviously hopefully this doesn't happen, knock on wood, uh, suffers a major uh, health or medical issue this okay. offseason. Like Andy Reid is wired to to be and do one thing and one thing only. Like he, he was even talking about the other day. He's like, I don't golf. I don't really have hobbies. He's like, I do football. Uh, I try and see my grandkids when I can. And I guess I go to church and eat cheeseburgers. Um, and like, he's rolling right now. Oh yeah. You know, um, and- but he's got the disease now. Yeah. So, you know, the coaching disease, these oh, yeah. dudes don't know what to do anything else. And I actually think, knowing nothing about Andy Reid the human, I actually think he worries about what he would do and what he would be if he wasn't coaching football. Right. Parcells used to always say it's like heroin. You know, mm-hmm. you just can't get off it. Showing and, up at 3 You know, the highs yeah. are not as great as the lows are lows, but yet still you do it. Here's the thing. And, and uh, just what to do with your day. Mm-hmm. Like these, these, these are for the most part, not to paint every coach with the same brush, but for the most part, professional football coaches are very dysfunctional human beings Mm. because they spend the majority, if not on say a Tuesday, the entirety of their day in a windowless office with the lights turned off watching film. 
you know, I always tell friends of mine who are in the football business, I'm like, when you, whenever you get one of these jobs, do yourself a favor and twice a day, go for a 10 minute walk and get some fresh air and see the sun. Yes. Like you just need to do that because otherwise on second and goal, you throw the ball in a slant. <laughs> And you blow the Super Bowl instead of handing hey, it off. To what, one, of, one of the things Blake and I have been talking about, because when Tom Brady um, won his sixth and then went to Tampa Bay and won his seventh, like <laughs> it was as declarative, I think, as any athlete maybe since Jordan or Gretzky. This is the GOAT, and that ain't changing anytime soon. And yet here's Mahomes with the chance to win a third, and he's – playing in four he's played in four come sunday and he's 28 yeah it's the, and it, it's it, the novak and to federer right? like put it this way uh i think mahomes has a better chance of catching brady than ovechkin has of mm. catching gretzky on the goal scorers list well first on the goat thing and i, and I hate getting into this goat comp- uh, goat conversation but the one thing about brady is he ends his career in a different place with a championship gretzky went where you know, L.A., uh, St. Louis, Louis New York, yeah. all right, uh, New York. I think he missed Jordan, the playoffs in this final year. Jordan ended with the Wizards um, with a whimper. Um, you know, Brady goes to a new spot and wins another in his 40s, uh, a seventh in his 40s. So, Sakaris, I hear you, man. Like, yeah, he's 28. He could win his third. He's on the trajectory, but like each one is so hard to win. No. And so just because you've won three and four, you might not win another. Like, just ask Troy Aikman, right? Like Aikman no. was kind of in that, that conversation that he's gonna surpass all of them, and then he didn't. But here's here's the difference. Here's what I would argue is the difference. And I I want your thoughts on this as well. The quarterback is now a catalyst to championships, much like the star player in basketball in the eighties, maybe still to this day, but more pronounced in the eighties was the catalyst for championships. And to me, one of the things that's going on Sunday is a test of, can you still win a Super Bowl in the NFL with a good running game, great defense, letter perfect special teams, everything around the star quarterback? Or do you have to have the star quarterback to win now? Is it effective, effectively like English Premier League soccer now, where only a handful of teams can win because they have the star quarterback. And if you don't have that guy, doesn't matter how good the rest of your team is, you're probably not going to win. That's to me is what's at stake here Sunday. And that's why I am starting to give some credence to the fact that Mahomes may well catch Brady, given everything that's happened in the sport now to the benefit, let's face it, of the passing game and the quarterback. So is Stafford a star quarterback? He's no. pretty close. He's he's, he's yeah. Um, he's not top echelon though. If we're wow, talking about but the he's top got the massive arm. Um, okay. okay, I would argue he's closer to Mahomes than he is to Brock Purdy. So the question becomes: Is when's the last time a non-star quarterback was part of a Super Bowl championship team? And and like somebody immediately will say, you know, Joe Flacco. I get it. Except if you go back that January and February. Joe Flacco played out of his mind. 
Like that, like he played at a not a superstar level, a mega star level for those four or five weeks. Um, here, I, I'm going to pivot away from Mahomes for a sec because here's my take on on Brock Purdy. This game manager tag label whatever is absolute nonsense. In almost every quarterback metric that matters, he's right up there with the with the rest of them. Yes, he's had a garbage January, but. For the last two years, what he's done is unreal, and he can make every throw. I think if Brock Purdy was a third-round pick instead of a seventh-round pick, the conversation around him is completely different. I think if he was a sixth-round pick, the conversation around him is completely different. And what I find hilarious about the whole thing, we talk about these football dudes with diseases, five, six weeks ago, I'm watching the Niners game, and the conversation becomes, well, this scout really liked him, and this coach really liked him, and Lynch really liked him. I'm like, really, guys? Really, you liked him so much that you let him slip to the last pick overall right. in the draft? Now you want to take your victory lap and your flowers? Save it. Um, I'm not saying Brock Purdy's a superstar quarterback yet, but I'm saying there's very little that Brock Purdy can't do to lead this team to a championship. He's a very defensive. I, I, would, I very would disagree. De- he can make every throw. I don't think he can make the deep, the deep out. Like to me, the ball hangs the extra sp- split second with Purdy. And that could well be the difference. But he's a very divisive quarterback because the, the game manager label is out there right or wrong. Um, it's held pretty. But what is that Blake? Yeah. Like, it, what, it, what is that? It's a guy that uh, executes simple throws early in the down and don't aren't forced to sit there in the pocket, read the entirety of the field, buy time for yourself, for the common and make fan, off platform. But for the thrust. common fan, that's what a game manager means. You don't make my jaw drop. You don't make me wonder how you made that play. Right. Um, and, and, that and I'll tell you this. Yeah. I'll tell you this. Ask the idiots in Wisconsin, and ask the morons who root for the Vikings what it's like having a gunslinger as a quarterback. Because the dude stealing all the welfare money in Mississippi, he costs you games. He costs you championships. He throws away at Lambeau against the Giants at home in the NFC championship game with idiotic decisions that lead to an interception. In New Orleans, with the Super Bowl right there, not that I'm still bitter, throwing across his body across the field, which they teach you in fifth grade not to do. So I'd rather, much rather, have a game manager who's not going to make mistakes rather than an idiot running around ripping his helmet off uh trying to be a hero all the time there's yeah. my hot take well uh, my whole point is you mentioned flacco it's 11 years ago russell in 2015 because he was still a young quarterback there he didn't get to to me those are the last sort of game managers to win I think you throw Russell out though because we eventually learned what he was. So I I, I still think you throw yeah, that. Yeah, he out. wasn't at that level back then. Though. What was Tom that, Brady the first two three years of his career? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Till you know what he is. You're, but I'm I'm just saying we we've looked at a decade here of pretty much just star quarterbacks winning the Super Bowl. So uh, I do so wonder. So when Brady wins, what does he become? What is he then? What's his label? Well, no, what, I, what I'll say is if, if Purdy wins, to me, it restores my faith that you can win with different styles in the NFL, that the sport is that championships are not just incumbent on who you have. Okay, under but my question then is, back and shotgun what if he loses? He's not great. He's 20 of 33. Don't get me wrong. He's a damn good quarterback, Brock Purdy. He's just not at the level. 
Watch the ball come out of Mahomes' hand. Watch the ball come out of Brock yeah. Purdy's hands. Yeah, yeah, you can't compare Mahomes with Purdy. Like, you can't compare anyone with Mahomes. Take Mahomes out of it. Like, come on. Let's, yeah. be, let's be fair here. Like, who you, who, Who's well, a fair comparison then? You know, Brock Purdy plays like X. Who is it? No, I'm just saying take Mahomes out. I don't know. I mean, who's the comp? To Brock Purdy, yeah, like what? Like when Brock, well, I, I don't Brock, think a I, good Brock Purdy I, I, game looks I, like whom? Well, I, I don't necessarily think Flacco's the worst comparison there. I, I do think Joe throws it with a little more pace, but uh, except yeah. Purdy's more mobile. Yep, that's fair. Grady's yelling at me, Alex Smith. Oh come on, come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem. No, we we don't even know what Brock Purdy yeah. is. No, but all I'm saying is the last 10 might years be, it might be like he's closer to Jalen Hurts than he is anybody yeah in fact we haven't even mentioned Nick Foles in this conversation he might be the outlier of all outliers with Super Bowl quarterbacking but I would argue like you argued with Flacco the year they won he was playing sensational football Nick Foles was like an out-of-body experience that playoffs for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Anyway, okay. through the touchdown pass, not Nick Foles. Right? <laughs> this is true. This is true. Philly, Philly. Okay, give me your pick. Who do you like? San Fran. They're the better team. When George Kittle's your fourth offensive option, mm-hmm. um, you're pretty good on offense. Mm-hmm. It to me, this just comes down to San Francisco's defense has to do something. The the front has to show up. <laughs> Armstead, Bosa, hey Chase Young, are you alive? Um, mm-hmm. And then Warner and Greenlaw. It, to me, the front seven of San Francisco dictates how this game goes. Okay. I'm taking Kansas City. And the next time you're here in Vancouver, visiting your mother and your sister, whom you don't visit enough. That's right. Loser pays dinner. That's a great, that's a great call. I'm glad that you didn't mention my father, because I actually come to visit my mother. <laughs> Apologies, Mr. Medani. Thank you for this. <laughs> See you, boys. Harrison Price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. Matt, it's going to be great. A little late on the draw there. Grady turned off my microphone. I'm oh, blaming my him. God. Yeah. Oh, that was Grady. you typing before the intro. This is Moneymaker, man. You don't turn that off. Hands off my. It's his fifth child. Mic. Or is it sixth after Nikolai? <laughs> Speaking of draws, Whitecaps, they got one. Yeah. Against Mexican giant Tigris at Starlight Stadium in Langford on a chilly but clear night on Vancouver Island. Almost 6,000 fans in attendance. Had a 1 0 lead, couldn't hold it. Starting 11 looked pretty good. Well, they're missing three stars. No Andres Kubis, no Sam Adekube, no Ali Ahmed. So he, is Sam the starter? Sam's a starter. Yeah, Ahmed's a starter for sure. Yeah, he's a national really? teamer. Yes. Okay. Unequivocally. Um, so Tigers mid season, right? They're they're fully wow. mid season. Thought they were like five or six games. No, they're five or six games. In part two. The oh, Mexican league is two oh. part season. They're, wow. they're five games in a part two of their season. They're, mm-hmm. they're fully mid-season. 
Um, so if you told me that they would draw a you know midseason quality Tigris team, I'd say take it. Except they get a goal pulled back on a clumsy offside by Alessandro Schupf. Um, it was a great goal too by Brian White. Mm. Uh, they also had several others. That, I mean, Gall just over the bar. Crylock, who looked very good, uh, just missed an early chance on a on a rush. So. It could have been a lot better. It's too bad because there's a world in which they win that game 2-1, 3-1 even. Um, uh, one or two really nice saves from Takoka as well. Uh, and the goal that they do get is on um, on a penalty just outside the box. And it is a Gignac thriller. Um, I mean, it's it's messy quality. Like we saw the messy quality of of uh, free kicks taken last year. I mean, this, this was as clinical a penalties you can take like it was it was just an unbelievable kick from outside the box so uh, uh the second leg here a week from now yeah right uh in mexico how, how does it work if we well, tie an away we goal right to- so you have to you have to win the game you have to win the game um now that being said if it's, it's a one-one tie then we go to extra time one-one one that- tie is extra time and i suppose a two-two tie gives it to the Ca- caps on the away goals, goals. So you know, there's a couple of ways the draws help them, or at least kick the can. But um, yeah, they're going to need to go down and score for sure, and mm-hmm. then we'll see what happens. Uh, but if you get Kubis back, and maybe you get Sam back, probably not. But I think Kubis back is a realistic thing. Um, you got a chance. You got a chance. I got to say though, I looked at their starting eleven and went, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And you're saying three starters are missing, like. Axel's done a really nice job there. And well, you need depth, in- right? As we talked well, about with all the games that you play, you need mm-hmm. depth. Uh, Laborda played maybe his best game as a white cap. How did uh, Krylock? Yeah, he looked great. Look great. If that's the Demir Krylock that the yes. Whitecaps have, you're loving it. But he's 34, so how many of those nights can he do? Yeah. Um, but he looked great. Absolutely. He's a third offensive mm-hmm. generator You know, with White and Gall down. That's what they wanted. They wanted a legitimate offensive player to play alongside the other two. You know what I'm loving right now? Whitecaps are back playing competitive matches. Lines are busy in free agency. We're going to get a good idea of what the BC lines are going to look like here. And but they're they're you know, not going to be much worse. Like these are three playoff teams. The Canadians have announced their uh, managerial staff, Brent Lavallee, coming back. Like we are just around the corner from nice weather, and our spring and summer teams getting back at it. In the case of the Caps, they're already back at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, this is a fun sports town right now. Honestly, oh, there's a lot of, for sure. There's a lot honestly, of optimism. Like we've been doing the show for 12 years. I'm not sure there's been a better time, a more optimistic time about our local sports teams. Damn it, Matt. We've had some damn right oh, dark years. God, dark years covering sports in this town. We deserve <laughs> this era of Vancouver sportsdom. Do you remember um, several years ago? When, and, and God bless him, Mark De, uh, Mark DeSantos was trying to rebuild a Whitecaps team that was just getting drilled on a nightly basis. And then the Lions, who of course had been so good, 2019, the Devon Claybrooks here, 5-13. and 13. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And there was just very little... Hope for either of them. Well, the American guy before that, what was his name? Uh, uh, Tedford. Tedford. 
Well, that was, of course, Wally Part 2 came yeah. back in, in between, between those. Yeah. yeah, Tedford lasted the one year in 2015. Clay Brooks lasted the one year in 2019. The Wally Redux was barely above 500. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, with the caps, it just seemed like they would never spend and never figure out a way to do it with ingenuity. And Yeah. Right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to hand it to both those franchises, and of course, all the Canadians do. And attendance is going to go through the roof this year for the Whitecaps. Yeah, um, and thanks in large part to Lionel, but I think they proved themselves to and, be a worthwhile product. And Amar Doman has done wonders with the and Lions. We've seen attendance there yeah. jump too, so it's it's great. Uh, it's a fun time. Looking forward to it. Get them all going together, and mm-hmm. of course, the you know, Canucks could well go on a Stanley Cup playoff run too. Dare to dream. That should be absolutely. Great fun. Okay. Poll results from Wednesday asked you who scares you most in the Pacific Division. Oilers, Golden Knights, nobody, 1,500 votes. Blake, what did the people say? Uh, Stanley Cup champs. Indeed. Vegas won the poll. What percentage? 39. 38. Hmm. Very balanced voting here. 38% for the Knights, 35% for the Oilers, 27% for nobody. So very representative. What, 10% between the three options? Uh, Ken, nobody over seven games because nobody has been more consistent this season than the Canucks. One way to look at it. Uh, Mark, the only thing that scares me about the Pacific Division is at least one good team is going to be gone after round one. We talked about that with John Shannon on Wednesday. Here's the thing. If the Canucks finish first place, they're getting a wild card. They don't have to step into that bloodbath 2-3 That's the thing. series, which right now would be Vegas and Edmonton. Uh, a lot of people just going with the championship pedigree here, as you noted, Blake, as to why Vegas scares them the most pretty much the same on youtube a lot of the comments though referencing aiden hill and how good he's been this yeah. season and how good he looked against the oilers the other night well and of course he's got a stanley cup mm-hmm. ring so uh, until Stuart skinner proves more in the playoffs i think you look at vegas and and you're more and you're scared more of their goaltender than you would be of edmonton's goaltender Boy, you watch that Oilers uh, Knights game, and and Vegas just—they really know how to play those start those sorts of heavy games, those low-scoring heavy games where space is tight. And and let's face it, they've got some pretty big bodies on that team that um, creates that tight space. Mm-hmm. They consume so much of that space. Watch out for when they get Eichel and the- Theodore back too. Right, uh, I mean Theodore's been missing for a while here. Anyways, thank you everybody for voting on the poll question. I do not um shouldn't say that. I have errors and omissions. Oh, I got one. Um Rob Williams misspoke, said the Canucks outshot Carolina. They did not. It was twenty four nineteen for uh, for the Hurricanes. They only shot them for half the game pretty handily. It was like fifteen five at one point and then Screaming back the other way. Mm-hmm. And uh, did we determine whether that was uh, John Tortorella's Columbus Blue Jackets 
that uh, went on the long winning streak? I had a note about that. Um, we didn't in the moment. But... Right. <clears throat> Scotty Scheffler did win the uh, Waste Management Open two years ago, and uh, here's the thing. He won it last year, too. That was my other error. It was towards it was he towards, won yeah. the Jack Adams that right. year. Yeah. Okay. Anything further, Grady? Yeah, on myself, I didn't fade out our intro yesterday, so he had a nice minute plus of our show intro cranked to open the show. Uh, Colin, You're really struggling with that, Colin huh? and Planning called you out on that one. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want their dinner there. Have some patience you know, you with DM'd Grady, it. everybody. You know, this could've is still new. Me. This is still new. He's got to reply to our show tweet for everybody to see. He's got but all... Thank you, Colin. I he's got it. all of these subtle little things he has to do now with the YouTube show. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish there was a GoPro back here you can just see me go from one computer to the laptop you know that jordan peele meme of like the profuse sweating that's greedy mm-hmm. i might get carpet tunnel with the, my fingers here soon. jordan peele i'm like the washington wizards guard no that's jordan Peele. Hmm. peele is the comedian yeah, right yeah. yes anyways you'll get there buddy got faith in you thanks matt thanks for listening everybody a reminder subscribe to us connects conversation and Rinkwide Vancouver, wherever you get your podcast, Follow on social. That's Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, we're live daily, 11.30 a.m. Pacific on YouTube. And do support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.